You are listening to the Daily Roundup here as part of the Reality Steve podcast. I'm your host, Reality Steve. Thank you all for tuning in. Hope you had a great weekend. we got a good show for you today. We're going to talk about some things going on in Bachelor Nation that happened over the weekend. You've got your Dancing with the Stars finale tonight. Something that I talked about last week in the challenge has been agreed upon by Bananas. And last night's AMAs, I didn't watch one second of it. I read the winners. Taylor Swift basically dominated. She won essentially every category that she was up for. However, I've got some questions. And also, we're going to talk a little bit more about Taylor and the Ticketmaster fiasco as Taylor released a statement at the end of last week. We'll get to that, though, momentarily. This podcast is brought to you by StoryWorth. StoryWorth compiles your loved ones' stories, memories, and even photos into an exquisite hardcover book, creating a valued keepsake. Help your family share their story this holiday season with StoryWorth. Go to storyworth.com slash Steve today and save $10 on your first purchase. That's storyworth.com slash Steve to save $10 on your first purchase. S-T-O-R-Y-W-O-R-T-H dot com slash Steve to save $10 on your first purchase. Also brought to you today by First Leaf Wines. You know, First Leaf makes it simple to discover new wines that you'll love. They learn your tastes, then deliver quality wines right to your door. Sign up today and you'll get your first six bottles for $39.95 plus free shipping. Go to tryfirstleaf.com slash realitysteve. That's T-R-Y-F-I-R-S-T-L-E-A-F dot com slash realitysteve to get your first six bottles for $39.95 plus free shipping. Tryfirstleaf.com slash realitysteve. All right, let's get going. As you know, Zach's season wrapped filming this weekend in Thailand, don't know who won yet. We know your final three of Gabriella, Ariel, and Katie. And obviously, as I hear something, I will let you know, but I never know when that'll be. And the thing you can look forward to this week is the women on Zach's season will be all going public on the same day, at least most of them. Some usually wait a couple days, or you have your scragglers like Jason last season on Gabby and Rachel's season who literally didn't go public till about, oh, I don't know, two, three weeks into the show airing, something like that. It was really bizarre. But um, all the women on Zach's season will be going public on Instagram, I believe, Tuesday, tomorrow or Wednesday is the day they're allowed to. So look for that. And then just start uh, figuring out who likes who by deciding on who follows who and stuff like that, even though that means absolutely nothing. But have fun with it. Also, in regards to Bachelor Nation, there was, I guess you could say, a little bit of drama this weekend, right? I mean, look, there's always something going on in Bachelor Nation when it comes to the contestant, especially what's going on on Paradise as the Paradise finale is tonight. And tomorrow night. So tonight we're going to get what happens down on the beach. And then I'm assuming tomorrow night is all the reunion show. But maybe the ending of tonight bleeds into tomorrow. We'll see how it goes. But last week, at the end of last week, Caitlin Bristow did a podcast and she had Danielle Maltby on it. I did not hear it, but I've read enough things that were sent to me in regards to basically what they were saying and... They were kind of jumping on Sierra for still talking about Michael and basically saying let it go and 
However, it was very dismissive of Sierra's feelings, and it was very coming from a place of Danielle knows she's with Michael and she's moving to Ohio soon, and it was almost like, get over it, girl. It was almost that. She also didn't even reference her by name. I just think that's, you know, when you call her what's-her-face, it's very disrespectful, and I just thought it was a bad look for both Caitlin and, and Danielle on that. Like, they're not horrible people. Again, this isn't something where, you know, you wish death upon them and tell them to go kill themselves. But my opinion is, I didn't think it was a good look. Period. End of story. Sierra responded to what Danielle and Caitlin said on the podcast, and she said, for clarity, I'm over Michael and have been. This is why I don't understand why I'm a point of topic for them. Those who keep saying, get over it, it's comical because I'm in a relationship, but damn near 40 and hating on a 27-year-old that also had your man. Goodbye, my feelings are valid. Pretty simple. She's allowed to have those feelings about Michael and what happened back in June with him, and she says she's got receipts. I wish she would release the receipts, give us a better understanding of where she's coming from, but the whole point that Sierra's been trying to make when she has been talking about Michael on social media is basically that, look, you guys didn't see the whole thing, and there are things that happened and things that he said and things that he did that weren't shown, and I feel misled. I feel led on. Why not just tell me I wasn't, you know, that you were waiting for somebody, and you kind of knew. I mean, I think Sierra's under the impression that Michael knew that Danielle was coming, so anything he told her was BS, and I tend to agree with that. Michael knew she was coming, and Michael wanted Danielle to be on the show. So it's very hard for Michael to sit there and say, no, I gave my full 100% effort into Sierra when in the back of his mind, he knew Danielle was coming the whole time and he knew Danielle was the person he wanted to come on the beach the whole time. So she's got a point and I, I, you know, I, I know that people will defend Michael and say, no, he's allowed to change his mind or maybe he just didn't feel it long term with her, which look, I've said it since the beginning with this. This is not about, oh, Michael and Danielle shouldn't be together. They make sense. I get that. My whole point was the way he handled the Sierra breakup. That's it. And Sierra clearly still feels that he didn't handle the breakup very maturely and used an out that was very easy to use and didn't tell Sierra the real reason. Personally, I think the real reason was he knew the whole time Danielle was coming. And did he ever bring up that up to Sierra? No, he didn't. He said, oh, you know, just I'm not ready. And it's just like, okay, when you say you're not ready and then the girl that you're waiting for comes on and you leave with her and now you guys are going to be living together, it's just like, okay, look, we have no problem with you being with Danielle. Just be honest to Sierra. And that's all she's asked for. And and he wasn't. So, And I didn't think it was a good look for Caitlin and Danielle to say the things that they did on the podcast. I didn't see what that accomplished. Um, disrespecting Sierra the way they did by calling her what's-her-face. Um, she has a name. You might want to call her by her name. Um, I just think it was a bad look. That's all. Um, you know, we're allowed to have opinions on other people's podcasts. I'm sure people have plenty of opinions on my podcast. Uh, and But from what I read, the transcript of what I read that they said on their podcast, I, I just didn't think it was a good look. So... Obviously, tomorrow night on the reunion show, we'll see Sierra confront Michael a little bit. But after tomorrow, this thing will be uh, you know over and done with. Like Sierra said in her tweet, she's in a relationship. 
We know that Danielle is moving to Ohio to be closer to Michael. And, you know, we all we all go our separate ways. But we're allowed to talk about it because Caitlin and Danielle just had this podcast at the end of last week. So that's why we're talking about it. Now, as for tonight, like I said, it's going to be mostly wrapping things up on the beach. Which couples stay, which couples you know, break up, which couples leave as a couple, which couples get engaged, all that stuff. And then tomorrow night will, will assumingly be the reunion show. And then we are off for six weeks in terms of, well, actually more than six weeks. Usually the bachelor starts first Monday in January this year. It's January 23rd. We've already gone over this. This has to do with ABC having the wild card game for the NFL playoffs on the 16th. So basically they didn't want to take a week off after they start the season. So they're waiting until all of football playoffs are over on ABC, which is the last game on ABC would be Monday, January 16th. They're starting the following week. Now we don't know the schedule of, are they going to double up? I guess they have to at some point because 11 weeks out from January 23rd puts it at uh, April 3rd, uh, excuse me. Um, yeah, April 3rd, Monday. And that's the national championship game for college basketball. So I got to believe it's finishing before that. They don't want to compete against that. And my guess is they'll double up at some point this season and finish, you know, end of end of March. But we kind of got plenty of time. Uh, this is going to be a dead period for the next uh, six weeks, six to nine weeks or so, because it's the um, it's really one of the only times during the school during the school year, during the calendar year that the Bachelor franchise is not filming something or airing something. And this is literally the longest time, six weeks, where nothing is going on, where it's not doing anything. So we're going to have a a lot of, obviously I'm still going to do a daily roundup, but it will probably be less Bachelor intensive since there's just nothing, not a whole lot to talk about in, in terms of anything, unless it's anything I get from any new information I get from Zach's season and stuff like that. I thought this was interesting. Last week, I said on the podcast that when I was talking about the challenge on on Thursday, I was like, you know, winning a daily challenge is just basically a hindrance because you're literally pissing off four teams because you have to nominate four people or four teams. And I noticed that Bananas responded to somebody's tweet uh, at the end of last week. Uh, actually it wasn't, it was on the 19th. So what was that? Uh, Friday. And he said, someone wrote the biggest problem with this season is there is zero incentive to win the daily. Seemed like Devin and Tori were throwing it as well. And banana said, there's no last place. And winning means you have to put four targets on your back. Majority of the teams were playing not to win. So not only is it confirmed, he's basically saying a lot of the teams were throwing it. They didn't want to win. And then if you watched last Wednesday's episode, with Bananas and Nani when it came to the puzzle, Bananas was just making jokes the whole time, and clearly it was because he didn't want to win, and Nani was taking it serious. Now, I'm sure Bananas told her after the fact, like, look, we don't want to win this thing because all it does is put a target on our back because we have to nominate four teams. But is that good? Is that a good game? I don't like the four nominees because of this particular reason. It's it's too – if you could do the four teams if the last place team was already in. But I don't even know why you have to do four. And I don't know why the last place team, the team that finishes last in these dailies, isn't automatically in. That's always the way it's been. I think it's 
I think game-wise, it's not a good idea, especially when you have teams now knowing Bananas basically admitted it. It probably seems like the vets aren't trying, and the rookies are. And who wants to watch that? It's probably why the rookies have done so well in the daily challenges, because we know Jay and Michelle won back-to-back. We had... uh, I know there's been another rookie that had won, but... Oh, um, Olivia and Horacio. Haven't they won twice? They've won at least once. So it's like, yeah, no wonder all the rookies are winning, because the vets aren't trying. And I don't know if that's good. It may be, might be great TV. It might set it up for a great final or whatever. But up until this point, it's just been like, wait a second. Don't you want everyone trying to win every single competition? Isn't that what the challenge is about? Competing to the ultimate limit? I don't want to see people throwing stuff and not winning because, well, I just don't want any dirt on my hands. I don't know. Probably not a good idea, but they can't change it now. The rules are the last place team does not automatically go in and the winning team has to nominate four and throw one of them in. And it's just like, that doesn't... Uh, just a bad format this season. That's my that's my take. I don't, I don't like the format. Dance with the Stars finale is tonight. As we know, Wayne, Shangela, Gabby, and Charlie are your final four. Uh, some Dance with the Stars news over the weekend. Cheryl Burke decided to retire after 26 seasons. 26 of the 33 she's competed in. That's... Uh, that's a lot. Um, she's obviously been through a lot. She's had a divorce in the last year. She's gotten sober. Uh, she's written a book. Uh, she's been through a lot, uh, health-wise and you know, mentally. Her mental health, I know, wasn't great for a while. And obviously, you know, drinking uh, was a big thing that she was drinking a lot while she was been on the show. But she is sober now. I hope she stays sober. She's been a pros pro on that show. Anybody that watched it from the beginning, you can't not like Cheryl, like she's just a very, very likable person. She met her husband on the show, Matthew Lawrence, but there's been a little shade thrown on both sides since that divorce happened. Seemingly, it seems like it, he cheated and she's kind of referenced it in a couple TikToks and stuff like that. But uh, if this, if this is good for her sobriety and this is good for her well-being and this is good for her mental health, then obviously this is the thing she should be doing tonight. Again, it doesn't really matter who wins other than bragging rights. But Charlie is the best dancer the show has ever seen, in my opinion. And would I be fine with Gabby winning? Absolutely. I think it would be great. It would be great to have a third Bachelorette win this show. I don't think Shangela is going to win. I think she will finish fourth. Wayne will finish third, and this is going to come down to Gabby and Charlie. And, you know, I I can't imagine Gabby has a bigger fan base than Charlie, who's got 145 million followers on TikTok. But, hey, you know, what do I know? I guess it's anything's possible. But I'll be watching tonight, and we'll talk briefly about the winner tomorrow. And um, it, should be a, it should be an interesting finale for sure. Now, the American Music Awards happened last night. I didn't even know they were on until I just checked my Twitter feed and it was reading the entertainment sites. Taylor Swift basically blew doors on everybody. She won every category that she was nominated for and it was a a big night for her, clearly. I don't care about AMAs. I don't 
really care about any of the award shows. I've never been a fan. They've gotten way too different in the last few years. The Golden Globes with Ricky Gervais was the only one I paid attention to because I wanted to see what he said in his monologue and I wanted to see what he said during his hosting because he roasted people. That's the only one that's interesting to me because it's not all, you know, buttoned up and close to the vest and, you know, people are having fun at the Golden Globes and drinking. The other ones are too networky for me. And if anything, the only thing I tune into is the monologue. I'm interested to see who hosts these things. And then I listen to the monologue and then I'm out. Oscars come around. I never usually even see any of the movies that are up for best picture. So uh, the AMA is no different. I, I just, I don't care. Obviously I'm happy for Taylor being a huge Taylor Swift fan, but here's something that I found very interesting. I didn't watch the show, but I went online to see what awards she won. I'm like, Oh, okay. Taylor won artist of the year. She won favorite music video for all too well. The short film, the 10 minute version. She won favorite female pop artist, and she won favorite pop album for Red when she re-released it. However, the next two awards she won in the same night, mind you. So she won favorite female pop artist. She also won last night favorite female country artist. She won favorite pop album with Red, the re-release, she won favorite female country album with Red, the re-release. What? <laughs> How can you win favorite pop artist and favorite female country artist? Yes, I know Taylor's roots are country music, but Taylor hasn't put out a country music album in God knows how long. It's been, what, six albums? 1989, Reputation, Lover, Folklore, Evermore, Midnights. She's put out six albums that weren't country. I don't even consider Red country, was it? I I think that's where she started to turn to pop. But the re-release of Red counts as a favorite country album? And she wins favorite country artist? Like, the names she competed against, I believe, like Miranda Lambert, Carrie Underwood. Yeah, those are country singers. Taylor's not country anymore. She hasn't been for years. Why is she winning fame? I got to believe people are like, I can't be the only one thinking like, wait a second, this is ridiculous. Because it is. She had no business winning favorite favorite female country artist and female country album for Red. Come on now. Anyway, speaking of Taylor, she released a statement at the end of last week in regards to the Ticketmaster fiasco. And she's not happy. She didn't call them out by name, and she's not happy. And she said that they assured her there wouldn't be any problems, and there were, so she's upset for her fans. But, you know, no comment on the pricing because she can't control that. She released plenty of tickets at face value, and a lot of her fans did get tickets. The problem is a lot didn't. She's doing 52 concerts, which equals about, I think, 2.8 million people can go see the 52 concerts in the U S and I don't know what the breakdown is of the people who have tickets in their hands for those 52 concerts. How many are actual fans that are going to it? It's probably well over 50%, but shit, even if 75% of them are, that's 25% of the tickets over 2.8 million people that are going to see her U S concerts that are selling them for a very, very high price right now. So as I said last week, the only way is to just sit and wait. 
because the people that have those tickets and are price gouging and are trying to get more are really basically not planning on going to the concert anyway. And they are just brokers and they're bots and they got their hands on tickets that aren't Taylor Swift fans. And they're going to hold on to them and try and sell them. But if nobody buys them at these ridiculous prices that they're at right now, they're going to have to lower them because their alternative isn't like, oh, well, if I don't sell them, I'll go to the concert. No, they're bots. They're brokers. They're trying to make a profit. So just wait, even though I did buy tickets. <laughs> I, 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 uh, I bought uh, two tickets. I'm going at least to one show. And the two tickets I bought weren't even for Dallas. So I'm still waiting on a couple things here in Dallas to hear. I got to believe I'm going to go to the Dallas show at at one of the three shows just because it's the closest. But I'm waiting to hear uh, a couple things in terms of do I need to buy tickets or will I be part of a group that is going in a suite? That's what I'm waiting for. But if I'm not going in the suite, then yeah, I'll buy tickets. I'll just probably wait. I just I'm not going to pay this exorbitant amount that people are charging right now. But I mean, look, Ticketmaster even released a statement as well. Per the requests that they got for the people that were looking for tickets for Taylor's concert, they basically said it was what fourteen million people requested tickets. She would have to perform every single night for two and a half years to satisfy everyone that was looking for tickets. Like, she can only do so many concerts. 52 concerts, the stadium seat, you know, anywhere between 40 and 60,000 that we'll be able to see. And it's just like she can only do so many. And way more people want to see her than are tickets available. That's just the way it is. And it's why the demand is so high. And it's why these ticket brokers are trying to get people for way more than what the face value is because they know demand is so high. It's a supply and demand deal. I get it. But I went to 1989. I went to Reputation, each one, twice. And I didn't pay anywhere near what they're charging right now. I just can't believe it's that high. So that's why I'm just like, I just I have to take a chance and just wait and hope they come down, which I think they will. But anyway, that's it for Taylor Swift talk. Um, congratulations on all her awards last night. But come on with the country awards last night for her. She hasn't been country in six, eight years. Anyway, thank you all for listening. I really appreciate it. Bachelor in Paradise, part one of the finale airs tonight on ABC. We'll talk about it tomorrow and some other things. So thank you all for listening. I really appreciate it. And we will talk to you tomorrow. See you.